Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where we explore today's digital revolution by speaking with business executives and thought leaders who are profoundly changing how the world works, lives, plays, learns, and dreams. Our guest today is Chris Lockhead, an iconic and iconoclastic figure in the tech industry who's been around a while. Chris has been a serial entrepreneur. He's been a world-class CMO. He's become a best-selling New York Times author. He's the, uh, he runs a podcast. It's one of the top business podcasts in the world. He's been an executive coach. He's been an investor, advisor to young companies. And uh, he's got a new company of his own that's sort of taken an interesting position. Chris, welcome to Cloud Wars Live. We're delighted to have you as one of our digital all-stars. Thank you, Senator Evans. I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. And uh, folks, Chris will be appearing with us monthly to talk about the theme of different and being different. And we're just going to call his monthly episode Lockhead on Different. So, Chris, that's a little out of the ordinary, may I say. So uh, what is the Lockhead on Different thing all about? You know, what I've really realized is it's the people who are different that make the biggest difference. And when you look at it from a business perspective, you know, the companies and the technologies that we admire the most uh, were different or new categories, new niches of technology, of innovation. And, you know, that's why they stood out and ultimately got traction and, and made a huge contribution. Chris, last night I attended a Accenture has its uh, annual technology vision event. And Paul Doherty, who's the CTO and chief innovation officer at Accenture, great guy. One of the big themes he was talking about was individualization. He was saying how far beyond the somewhat traditional norm of personalization that goes. And so your mega theme here about different, I think, aligns with something now that the forces of technology and I think just culture, what's happening today is there's more opportunity for different sorts of people to express that difference. Is, is that part of the uh, of sort of what you're, you're capitalizing on here, that trend? So here's another example of a micro niche that I, that I love. Um, that the technology has created the opportunity for that, you know, prior to the last handful of years would not have been possible. So my wife and I uh, have become enthusiastic, um, what most people call backyard chicken owners. So we have, uh, we have eight hens, uh, chickens, all girls, of course. And um, it turns out, if you've been sort of paying attention, there's been big stories in the New York Times and lots of other pu publications about how, you know, there's people who've tried to reclaim having a garden and, and in this case, having chickens and they make eggs. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun thing that people are doing today, raising their own chickens and having gardens and sort of there's a, a reclaiming of, 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 a, of a lifestyle that used to be for many people. And there's actually um, uh, entire um, uh, suburban developments now that are, that are developed around a community farm in the middle of the development and, and so forth. Anyway, so we have these chickens and I've become uh, incredibly fond of them. Well, it turns out that in this niche of backyard chickens, there is a guru. And I, you'll excuse me for not knowing her real name, but her marketing name, her brand name is, and I swear to God, I'm not making this up, the chicken chick. And she's a gal somewhere on the East Coast who has a huge, uh, you know, number of chickens. I forget how many, but, you know, many more than I do. And she is a, she's, to the best of my knowledge, she's not a vet or anything like that. She's just an enthusiastic person who's gotten to know a lot about owning backyard chickens. 
and she blogs and she does Facebook lives and she sells a whole bunch of stuff on her website. And so this gal has become, if you will, uh, uh, micro famous in the chicken world, backyard chicken niche. And she is the category queen of backyard chicken. She's the first person many of us go to with a question or a concern or what kind of food should I buy or whatever the thing is, right? And she makes a living off of being the chicken chick. And she does that because the digital opportunity allows her to take what is what most people would consider to be a small area of interest, you know, people who have backyard chickens. And because she's not geo-constrained, I don't really even know where she is. I know she's somewhere on the East Coast of the U.S., but she can reach everybody around the world. And when she does Facebook Lives, there's hundreds, often thousands of people there, and she has this huge following, and she has a newsletter, and she sells all this stuff and so forth. And so she's got a, it's a great example of a niche down and a micro niche business that was able, that is able to scale because of the power of the technology that we have today. Yeah. Uh, great story, Chris. And I, I, you know, my, um, one of my older brothers was in the army and he said that the one sergeant in the army had always, somebody asked a question or brought up a certain point. The sergeant said, yeah, I'll give you two weeks to gather a crowd. Well, you see some of these things now. The other day I saw Scott Adams talking on Periscope. And when he signs on, he said, I'll wait a little bit till we get like, you know, 50, 70, 80,000 people on here. And, you know, first time I heard that, I thought, oh, that, that, that can't be right. But uh, so these notions from two weeks to get a crowd together to two minutes to get a crowd together. And you're talking about these things having a global reach where anybody can find others like themselves around the world. It, it's really a, re a remarkable phenomenon. And is that something you anticipated when with your book niche down? Or is this even beyond where you thought things were going to go? You know, we knew this was the direction, and we talked to a lot of smart people about this, and there was a, a handful that really informed our thinking. Uh, my writing partner on my first book, Kevin Maney, his, his latest book is called Unscaled. And this is a big part of the argument that he makes. Then the argument in Unscaled is that um, scale is actually a disadvantage today. And because of the technology, we can, we can get ideas into the world and sort of test those ideas. And if, they, if we can reach an audience, who people who are interested in those ideas, we can then scale those ideas that way. And so actually not being a giant company, but being smaller, nimble, and being able to play with the new technologies to find new category opportunities where new innovations can be successful, we can be much more nimble. And so he talks about the ability to unscale yourself to be able to try this stuff. So that's one example. You know, another example, my buddy, Eddie Yoon, who wrote the incredible book, uh, Super Consumers, you know, he says there's a niche NATO coming insofar as the technology allows us to find these new opportunities and scale into them, just like the chicken chick. Uh, and he talks about them in, in all kinds of industries. He says, for by way of example, in banking, um, that there's a huge opportunity for new niches in banking because millennials can't stand traditional banks and the whole approach to how you uh, communicate and collaborate and connect with customers is very different today. And so he thinks there's an opportunity to create new micro niches in serving the needs of, of different kinds of people in financial services, by way of example. And so whether you're a mass scale thing, uh, like a financial services company, or whether you're an individual like the chicken chick, the reality is if you have an area of interest 
And even if in a geography, there might be only a small number of people with those interests, when you're able to find those people digitally around the world because of the cloud and, and all our new stuff, um, you could take what heretofore maybe wouldn't have been a possible business in one ge- geography, but scale it because you'll find thousands of people around the world with um, with that with the, with the same interest. And so it's a very, very powerful idea. And it's a big part of why I believe there is a niche NATO um, that's coming. Chris, that's interesting. At the Accenture event that I attended last night, one of the guests was the CIO at Verizon. And this isn't exactly what you're saying, but if big companies and the unskilled movement can also involve people who get, um, that big companies are able to think differently, right? And to think about the micro niches. He told a pretty wild story. He said, uh, among all the Verizon customers, of course, there's some people who generally call only domestically, but occasionally will make an international call, but they don't have an international plan. And so they make a first call internationally, and it can be quite expensive. And he said in the past, what would happen that he said, these things usually go on a pattern. This person will make one call internationally, and then within a week, make three or four or five. And then 30 days later, the bill comes up and bam, you know, here's $250 charge on it. And they say, what the heck is this? And dispute the charges. He said, now we're able to identify somebody who does this and it's out of their typical behavior. We instantly send them a message and said, hey, thanks. That call was 50 bucks. Do you want to continue going on that rate? Or here's a rate instantly. Click on here. You don't have to talk to anybody. So the the opportunity for aware and open-minded big companies to play that scale up, scale down thing, it's just an incredible new adventure everybody's going to be heading into. Well, yeah, and I love it because it allows companies to do just-in-time configuration and if they're smart uh, of, of offerings, and if they're smart, of course, they're using some machine learning and some AI capabilities to be so- somewhat anticipatory in this regard. But I love that example, Bob, because what they're doing is essentially creating uh, micro niche offerings based on um, uh, consumer behavior. And, and, you know, this is what, you know, years and years ago, Don Peppers and Martha Rogers wrote this book called The One-to-One Enterprise, probably, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago, right? And it it, it, it just has taken a while for it to play out, but the ability for us to do uh, customized offerings based on uh, consumption patterns of the past is, is a great example of sort of an instant micro niche. And then if, if, if you're, um, you know, if you're Verizon and you're seeing this need, then, you know, maybe it becomes a new program and, and you can do things to, to, to find people who have this kind of a need and, and proactively go after them. Yeah. So Chris, it sounds like too here that the the language is changing, right? Your, your book niched down, right? So now there's micro niches. And what are some of the other concepts or terms that you would suggest that people, you know, get more familiar with and pursue to the degree that you know it aligns with with what they want to do? Well, I think the big aha is that um, number one, the technology does allow for these niches, and so and really, so it, it begs the question: Well, what is a niche, and how do I spot one? Right? <laughs> and so, yeah. um, one way to think about it is: um, Is there a problem, or are there problems in our broader market category that are either uh, ripe for um, reinvention? around the technology. That is to say, does the technology allow us to solve an old problem in a new way? So for example, Lyft and Uber is a great example. The problem of 
personal transportation had been solved. There's buses and there's cars and, of course, there's limos and there's taxis and, and, and subways and the like. But they, both those companies, reimagine that personal transportation problem. How do I get from point A to point B in the context of a mobile and cloud and, and, and smartphone uh, paradigm, right? So that's a known problem that gets reimagined in the context of uh, technology. Then there's an unknown problem that we don't even know that we have that, that gets evangelized in a new way. So uh, in you know, 1995, 1994, nobody was worried about uh, personal hand sanitization. We uh-huh. just walked around with unsanitary hands and you know, we washed our hands once or twice a day or three times a day, whatever it was. And then the good folks at Gojo Industries created this product called Purell. And now if you're a parent, you can't go anywhere without a tub of this stuff because you got to bathe little Jimmy in it at all times. <laughs> and uh, I don't know when the last, you know, you go to most offices today and that, that stuff's all around. And if you go to a hospital, they got one everywhere. And now all of a sudden there's this emergency crisis called hand sanitization that, you know, until the mid 90s, we didn't even know we had. And so my point is, that's a problem we didn't know we had. The yeah. Gojo folks create Perel. They evangelize this problem called, hey, don't you want clean hands all the time, nonstop, every day? Well, then you got to have this squeezy pack or these little handy wipes. And, you know, and, and here we are, we're all handy wiping ourselves. <laughs> well, Chris, that, that ties into uh, one of your big themes, I believe, which is Stay in love with the problem, not with the solution. Yeah. You know, the most legendary entrepreneurs um, are more in love with the problem than the solution. And the more we obsess about the problem, um, the more we think about it in innovative ways. And a trap that I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of uh, innovators of any kind, software developers, technology developers, they fall in love with the carbodingulator. Right. And they're like, hey, let me show you what I can do. And it's five times faster than the last generation of carbodingulators. And boy, when the competition sees how much faster, better, cheaper our carbodingulator is, they're going to you know, have a poopy in their pants. And, and they get real excited about features because we're like gearheads and stuff. And look, I get it. That's fun. However, um, if you put a, a list of the best features of your technology on your website, on your homepage, that's probably not going to move the needle because, you know, there's the, the old axiom, right? People don't buy, um, uh, they, they don't buy shovels, they buy holes, right? They need a shovel to create a hole, but what they want is a hole, not a shovel. And yet most of us have a shovel conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, well, I think one of the big points you make, and I think it'll be fun seeing you here monthly on the Lockhead on different discussion is going to be this notion of how do you get out of this, right? The behaviors and Uh, you know, talking with folks about this. I know in my time at Oracle, it was one of the big issues we dealt with there. All those engineers creating this incredible code, great. But the outside world, as you just described, they weren't so interested in the code. They had their own issues to deal with. So how do you translate? How do you think differently? How do you get outside yourself and see things from the outside in instead of the inside out? And it's, uh, it's going to be quite an adventure, Chris. So one more thought here before you go about, uh, different, where does it start? And what would you advise if people say, okay, I, I, I get that, but how do you advise them to get moving? So, um, you know, if you assume most of our listeners are in the tech industry, here's an aha that um, I always try to remind myself of. And the aha goes like this. Today's solutions 
are tomorrow's problems. So I think the smartest people in the technology industry crack open, you know, the Wall Street Journal or, or TechCrunch or Information Week or CIO or Wire. Cloud or, Wars. <clears throat> Cloud Wars. Cloud Wars, most importantly. Um, and they start reading about what's happening. So if you take your Cloud Wars report and, you, and you know, you're describing what Amazon's doing and what Oracle's doing and all this sort of stuff. And so if you get yourself educated on the way it is now and, and the direction it's going, and you ask yourself, hmm, Okay, let's just, you know, let's pick one by way of example. What's AWS doing? And let's say I educate myself on the, their most recent announcements and this and that and how they're integrating with this and security and, and whatever it is, right? I'm sort of I'm educating myself about what's going on in, in, in the, with AWS in particular. And I say, okay, so one of the problems that this stuff that Amazon's doing today are going to create two, three, five years from now. And how do I become the company that solves that problem? Because no matter how awesome a solution, every new solution does, by definition, create a new set of problems, right? So, you know, let's just, just take a silly example. Let's say you're really unattractive and you're really overweight and you're generally a horrible person and you have terrible teeth and you fart too much and nobody likes you. I don't, so. don't get too personal here, Chris. I, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> And so let's say you go on a mission to clean yourself up and you get rid of your flatulence and you fix your teeth and you lose some weight and you get into some shape and maybe you get a new haircut and, and you get a, a new outfit and, and all of a sudden you go from looking like, you know, something nasty to something attractive. Well, that's great. Congratulations. But, you know, now you might have a problem called attracting too much attention from the opposite sex or maybe the same sex or whatever it is. And, and now you got to deal with all these potential suitors. And so the solution called how do I clean myself up and be more attractive creates this new problem called I got so many new suitors, I don't know what to do with. And so, um, you know, at the risk of being overly silly, if we if we can lean into the future and ask ourselves, what are the big problems that are being created by the awesome technologies of today? And how do I become the company and or the person that solves those problems? That's one way we can start looking for what are the what are the niches in the future that um, you could be proactively designing and ultimately dominating? Yeah. Chris, great point. And just before you close, I just want to mention that, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I've seen from a lot of tech companies when they talk about either them, not themselves, but when they talk about their competition, they almost always do it with this notion that it's going to be a steady state. Well, this is what, you know, competitor X does. And, you know, as if that's never going to change. And I think it's hard for all of us to grasp you brought it up from you know your early examples about what's going on with the chicken chickens, so on like that. This world is changing unbelievably fast. And no matter how much each of us thinks we're up to speed with it, we got to start cranking it up, you know, 10% a week here. It's blindingly quick. So your notion about the opportunities you're looking for are lying right here in front of you, but we got to be able to take the present and project that into the future and get out of this notion that um this, you know, everybody else is going to stay in their own lane and it's not going to shift around much. Everything's changing all the time. The best thinkers are going to be able to look two, three, four, five moves ahead. Yeah, very much so. And, and I also think in order to do that, we have to pay close attention. It's easy. You know, there's a lot of white noise in the system. It's yeah. easy to um, not fully grasp the power of what's going on. You know, when you start to go through the list of the major new innovations we have going on, we've never had a list like this list. 
and you just start to go through it. Let's say we started the cloud by way of example and the mobile revolution. So all that has happened, right? And then you think about IoT and how powerful that is. And then you, if you understand the distinction between blockchain and, and crypto, and then you begin to understand that a, a little girl with a 3D printed arm threw out the first pitch at a San Francisco Giants game this year and that there are, that there are smart trucks that are driving around in parts of the country right now baking 3D printed pizzas in the back of the van on the way to deliver them to you. And the only thing that the dude in the truck does is like walk to the front door. And sooner or later, of course, the truck's not going to need the dude, right? And, and, and on and on and on and drone technology. And like, it's just an amazing list. And so you say, okay, well, all of these things are intersecting and connecting in powerful ways and they're creating opportunities. And, and that's really where I see the smartest innovators, the smartest entrepreneurs trying to think this thing through. Well, uh, Professor Lockhead, uh, Lockhead on different. I think we're off to a great start. And uh, thank you so much, Chris, for being a part of this and bringing your really, really refreshing and compelling views. Thank you, Bob. It's an honor to be with you, and I can't wait to come back. All right. So, folks, thank you, too, for being with us. And uh, next month, we'll have another episode of Lockhead on Different. And throughout uh, the Cloud Wars series, where we're talking about what's going on in the digital world, things turning upside down. Thanks for being here. Share your feedback with me if you want at bobevanspa at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time.